the book of Zechariah, and it's uh, um, slightly frustrating for some of us to see, uh, figure out what <laughs> what all the things mean. Uh, today, my wife said, "Oh, but this is what this passage is easy, and we'll see if it is easy." So, um, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I called it. Uh, was it for me? Uh, a question God asks uh, the people. Um, and then you're going to go, is he going to do that long introduction again? Well, we have to just do some of it. Uh, the book is written uh, when when uh, Zechariah prophesied about 520 to 515 BC. This is kind of a timeline of what's going to happen, where it's happening. Uh, Cyrus demand decrees that Jews can go back. They stop building, they, or they built the they built the altar. They stop building the temple, but then construction stops. That's where Zechariah come in, comes in to encourage them. Then I have a bunch of maps. Uh, this is kind of the situation at that point. This is what it looks like at this point. So it's not anything like what they were supposed to be. You know, the Jews were supposed to have most of all what you see here, not more, but you have all this should, be, should have been theirs. Now they have very small places left and the rest are enemies around them. Samaria is a mix and that's where you get the word Samaritans and all the animosity and all. We're going to touch a little bit about that today. Um, and so that's where we have that. Um, so the setup is that uh, God gave uh, the Jews uh, a great land and he said before them blessing and a curse. Uh, if you follow my commandments, you will be blessed. If you worship other gods, do all sorts of other things, you will be cursed, and I'll throw you out of the land like I just threw the people out of the land that you got. Unfortunately, that's how it goes. First, well, first the kingdom splits in two. North, Israel, south, Judah. Israel is taken into captivity first. Then Judah is taken into captivity now we have had 70 years pass. The pagan king Cyrus then decrees that they can go back and rebuild the temple of the Lord. So you can see how they go back. They go back in different uh, tem tempos and tempes and even <coughs> we've heard that Zechariah is calling some of them back because they don't want to come back. Uh, so here's the different routes of how they come back. They're also placed different places and that's kind of what it is. In the story line of the Old Testament, you have the history there, and you have the law, and then you get the prophets are down here. You have uh, when in Kings and in uh, exile, you have different prophets calling people back because they are not they are not following God. So God sends the prophets to call them back to the blessing to the law. Uh, where we come in is at the at the right side in five over here where we have Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah. We have also Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So there is it where we are. There's still going to be 400 more years until Jesus shows up on the other side of this. And that's where we have the New Testament. So this is where we are in the story. Uh, I wanted to put this up because 
depending on your Bible translation, you will have some uh, indications on when things are happening. So this is an attempt, an easy and a overview of explaining how the Hebrew and the calendar we now have will fit together. It's like, it doesn't fit together. No, it doesn't, because it's, that's why it's kind of slightly confusing. Um, but that's kind of how we did it, and it's a little bit like that. Why is that important? That's important because we have another date here as the first thing in the part. One more map. Um, there's some people today that come from Bethel. Uh, that was part of uh, the northern kingdom. It was actually a center of idol worship uh, because when the kingdom splits in two, there's a, a calf in Dan and a calf in Bethel so that the northern kingdom would not go to Jerusalem to worship. And so that's up there, not very far from Jerusalem. That's where the people today come, come from, that place. And now we can read the text together. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. On the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Shashar and Remelech and the men to entreat the favor of the Lord saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets should I weep and abstain in the fifth months as I had done for so many years the word of the Lord of hosts came to me say to all the peoples of the land and the priests when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh, for these seventy years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you ate and when you drank, did you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? When all these words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous, when the cities around here and the south and the lowland were inhabited. All right. So the people come and they ask, uh, oh, well, first, uh, since the night visions, if we, from... Till now, around two years has passed. Uh, so since we left last time, two years have passed. We're thinking they're starting to build the temple. Maybe that's why they're coming, because they're seeing, oh, the temple is being built. We can stop uh, fasting about that. Um, so the men come from Bethel. Uh, so as we said, there's some translations here that some of your Bibles, depending on something, would say that um, it's a person uh, and it's a false name of a false god. That they will come and entreat the favor of the Lord. So they're asking, well, now for 70 years we have fasted and 
as they said, we have abstained, and we have also we have also been weeping. Uh, can we stop doing that? Can we can we stop do that? Can we stop doing that now? But then I I was before the answer. <coughs> the question could be, wh why were they fasting? Um, and why were they fasting and weeping for so many years? So I had to <coughs> ask some people that were <laughs> very small down there. Um, they, <laughs> they had, uh, when the destruction of the temple happened, uh, they then imposed this fast uh, in the fifth months of Ebb, which is late July, early August. So this is what they're coming to ask about. Like, why can we stop doing this now since we are rebuilding the temple? Can we stop doing this fast? Uh, then the Lord responds with, like, there's two fasts that apparently they have uh, observed. And the second one um, is then commemorating the murder of uh, the governor and the flight of some of the people to Egypt. So the Jews at this point are observing two fasts. Um, and it's... Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. They're observing the two different fasts. And so, so this person's like saying, well, uh, this, at least the one fast has become annoying and they don't really want to do that. And so it's become like a meaningless ritual, a burdensome ritual that has no sp spiritual meaning at all. Um, if we just go back to the uh, look at the text again, that is the big question. The big question is like, why? <laughs> We're building temple, or you're building the temple, you have the priests, and so can't we stop uh, fasting for the temple that was destroyed? Um, and Chris, the interesting question is that this fasting was not commanded by God. This was something made up. This was man-made. Thinking a little bit about that is that they chose to weep and sorrow over the destruction of the temple and them getting kicked out of the land. But it seems opposite of what God had in mind for them to do. He didn't require for them to fast for 70 years because he was the one that kicked them out. He was the one that let the temple be destroyed. No, instead, of the Lord would have wanted them to repent of their sin and turn to God not make up a new fast which God had not asked for them they had actually been rebelling against God and 
and not celebrating, but observing something God did so that they would come back to God. So they weren't remembering that they were supposed to follow God. They were remembering their circumstances of them being kicked out of the land and have their temple destroyed. But the sad part is that God left the temple before, because he knew it would be destroyed. Their fast did not lead to repentance and their fast did not honor God, which we can see clearly because they want to get out of it. Um, then Zacharias speaks and in great uh, in great what do you call it debate style God doesn't answer he asks a few questions he asks when you fasted and mourned these in the fifth months and in the seventh months were these seven, 70 years was it for me that you fasted? Oh. <laughs> they come and ask if they can stop doing something and then God says, well, <laughs> obviously you didn't do it for me. So what were you doing? And then he goes at the core maybe where we can also be hit a little bit. Is, and when you ate and when you drank, didn't you do it for yourself? So these people come and want to get out of a man-made fast that they made up for themselves. And they think that it's burdensome and they want the priest to let them go of that. And then when the Lord's word comes, it's like, what, what in 70 years, what in the world have you been doing? I didn't ask for this. And you didn't honor me at all. It was all about yourself. I was reminded about uh, this one verse here. Paul talks about godly sorrow, godly sorrow, and worldly sorrow. Now, in my opinion, this is my opinion, they they were observing a fast for the breaking, for the destruction of the temple because they felt bad about the temple being destroyed and they felt bad about them being kicked out of the land. But God had done it. Paul, he writes to the, to the Corinthian, he says, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repentance. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly sorrow produces death. It would seem like they have a lot of worldly sorrow and not really godly sorrow of what happens. And they focused on the things that happened to them 
but it didn't seem like there was a lot of repentance going on. And instead they created a meaningless ritual that they just made up themselves. It's interesting just to note that when these people from Bethel come, um, they have the question, but Zechariah's word of the Lord is for all the people of the land and the priests. So he given, doesn't give, he doesn't, God doesn't just respond to the people that come, he responds to all the people. So there was be that when they did these fasts, they were like, now they're confronted with, well, why did you do that? Why are you commemorating something I did, but you do it for the wrong reasons? God asks them about their motives for this. Why did you make up this day of fasting? I judged you. You didn't listen to the prophets. I sent when everything was okay. When you had uh, the prophets, when when the when the Jeru- when the temple was still there, and when the was prop- Jerusalem was prosperous, you had the prophets come and tell you what would happen. You didn't listen. Instead, you killed them and treated them shamefully. Instead of listening to my words through my prophets. And then he he goes to the second point where he says, <laughs> when you were eating and drinking, you didn't do it for me. Well, he asked the question, but it's highly likely he's like, you didn't do it for me. Did you eat and drink for yourself? Yeah, maybe I was touched a little bit about like, well, I mean, I do sometimes pray for my food, or I do pray for my food, but is it, do I live it out or do I really do it for myself? I was thinking maybe that's kind of why we misunderstand our relationship or they misunderstand the relation with God and also us. We, we and they focus so much on themselves That becomes so re- they become so religious about some things, but in this case it's made up and it doesn't hold up to what is in God's law and in God's word. But they're very religious, though. But God was not pleased because it was not what He had asked of them. When he gave them all things and when he gives all, all, us all things, all good gifts comes from above, we sing in one song. Um, but do we actually give God the glory for all the things? In this case, we talk about food. If we don't have it, we die. Do we forget sometimes how important it is to give glory to God for that I was thinking maybe that's why I lack joy is because I think take too many things for granted I'm not really thankful 
And I don't give the glory to the one whom all things belong. We heard in the beginning that Jesus, all things are made through Jesus and for Jesus. So everything is Jesus's. And in this case, like, they didn't exactly know Jesus, but they knew God. And he had created all things, and all things with his. So we think, thank God for, and this one is a harder. Do we thank God for rebuking us, disciplining us? Because that's what he had done to the people. He had rebuked the people for their selfishness and self-absorbed lives and they made up religiousness and a fast that they will serve for 70 years that God didn't ask that they should do. And instead of listening to the prophets when the temple was still intact their hearts were hard and they chose to curse and a false god and idol worship. God left the temple and took them into exile. And even from the be very beginning, the second or third king, they started idol worshiping. Well, that's the second king. They started idol worshiping. The question would be like, God would say, I sent you, knew my word, you knew my law, I sent you my prophets, a lot of them. You didn't listen to them. So what happened was that you got judged. The temple was destroyed and you were taken out. But instead of turning to me, you started having a fast for the destruction of the temple. Instead of responding with repentance and coming to God. So that's, this is, this is God bringing a question to them. Like, why do you do what you do? For who do you eat? For who do you live your life? Now, the people wanted to get out of their religious duties that they had made up themselves. And I don't think it was pleasing to God. And God asked the question, like, I know you didn't do it for me, so why did you do it? And when I bless you with food, you take it for granted and eat and drink for yourself. So then it comes to, but what about us? Because I, I, I don't think I made up, uh, well, I'm not 70 years, so I haven't done anything for 70 years, but I don't think, I don't think I've made up a religious system that dishonors God and uh, uh, where I weep and abstain. Uh, but I could ask the question, when I fast, do I do it for my own sake or do I do it because I want to lose weight or do I do it because I want other people to be proud of me or do I do it? So it's a very good question to ask, like, why do we do what we do? Because, as most of you know, G God knows why we do what we do. So he's not surprised. It's not like we can come here and worship together and then God is surprised 
if if we're not here at all or uh, like spiritually, mentally. Uh, we can't cheat him out of like uh, out of just looking religious, out of saying prayers that has no root root in our hearts. Um, we'll come back to that. But if we look at then our culture or this culture that we live in here, it's um, we say we don't necessarily live in a religious culture here in Denmark. Uh, but there is some kind of weird thing going on uh, at least for me is that every day is a day for something like then it's pancakes then it's trees then it's uh, other pastries then it's for this and then it's for something like every day is a day for something how about we stop that and just call it every day every day instead of making every day a day for something I think that's kind of tending towards pagan and pa- pagan worship where we're like, well, this day has to be about like this particular cake. Okay. And then there's donut day and pancake day. And also there's a, there's a lot of days about cake apparently. But there's also trees. There's also like uh, a badger day. or There's all sorts of days for all sorts of things. And you're like... Uh, Okay, and I have to bring a disclaimer here. I, I was going to bring it later. Okay, so I am probably not uh, highly. I'm not a. I'm not a. What do you call it? Uh, a highly ritualistic traditional person. So that's the disclaimer. I'm. I'm the guy, and Paul talks about that doesn't observe the day. So I doesn't. Obse- I don't observe the day for Jesus. Other people do. Uh, create some issues in our family but uh, I, try, I, I would say of course from my side I would say well the second part is we do it all to the glory of God um, some people pick some days as more important than us and uh, now I'm sidetracking myself okay but back to the culture this culture in Denmark is based on a Gregorian Christian calendar we have many holidays in the spring most of them nobody has an idea why we have them including me when I was in school. <laughs> like, why don't we have vacation now? I, was, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's uh, Christian's birthday. What, what is that? Well, is there something, I think Jesus flies into heaven. Oh, okay, great. We're off from school. All right, great. So we still have that. So in a sense, we, in this, the system is, is still made up or is leftovers from religious structure. But, I mean, I would say, 95 to 99% is not anywhere close to observing a holiday like that or even thinking about what happened Uh, but it's a great day Uh, it's a great holiday it's a great way to get the family together uh, eat a lot of food drink a lot party I'm not sure that was the purpose, if there's even is a purpose in having these religious holidays. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think it's cool people have a time off. I, uh, that's great. But doesn't it become a lot more like the last verse there on the slide? Don't you do it all for yourself? I would say when you look at culture, it is 
It is all about ourselves. Like when we when we bring it maybe to a little bit higher level, we say, well, it's not just for me. It's because then we can gather the family together, you know, and we can have a cozy time together. We can worship through eating a lot of food and maybe drinking too much and all those things. So you could say it is. It, some of it has some tendencies of, of religiousness, but it's definitely not. Doesn't seem to honor who God is kind of actually probably is more mocking what happened. So we have Christmas. We even have the season season up to Easter, which is in the church calendar called Lent, maybe more pre- prevalent in the Catholic Church. We have Palm Sunday. And you're in school like Palm Sunday. What Palm Sunday? We're going to the beach? No. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Ascension Day, Pentecost, now, for us who are believers, all these are like really important in Jesus' life and ministry. But it doesn't mean anything to culture. And actually also, now I'm just talking about myself, we're not observed to celebrate these days. We do, and it's good. I'm not, don't get me wrong. We do, but come on, like when we get here, we're celebrating Good Friday, we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday, we're celebrating Ascension, we're celebrating the Pentecost every time we're here. Because else we wouldn't be here. The same thing with Christmas. If Jesus is just a baby, we're lost. No, we need all of it. So this is, I'm sorry, I'm, some of you are more different than me, that's, that, but that's what I, that's, I think is more important that we just take one day to do one thing. Doesn't mean we can't take those days. But if we don't do it every day, I think we get the question from God, well then why did you live this day? Why did you fast today? Why did you eat today? And I think we come up short and saying, well I only, <laughs> no, no, Jesus, I only celebrate your death, your death once a year. No, no, I don't think, or I only celebrate Christmas from August till January, because that's what the stores do, uh, and not the rest of the year. No, we can marvel at the in- incarnation of God every day, and I think it would be a good thing to do. Um, I, okay, I came up with this par- parallel of what happened with the Jews, um, with the exiles uh, celebrating this fast. I was thinking, it's kind of like if we, if we would remember every week that Jesus died, and every week we would just weep and fast. Kind of like that. And God would be like scratching his head, be like, "That's not why Jesus came. He rose again." Why did you make up a weird holiday where you celebrate that Jesus died but he didn't rose again? I think I'd be like, you guys are confused. I think, uh, yes, you're right. I sent Jesus. It's horrible that he died, but I did it so that you could be set free. And he didn't stay that he rose again. Don't you understand? 
Oh, I have to be careful now. Now I'm going to talk about Christmas. I ju yeah, okay, I, again, you have to, uh, I, today I'm going to try to slightly apologize for my bent. So my bent is all the way over here, where I don't, I'm not highly ritualistic. And so if you love Christmas for the right reasons, I have no issue with that. But I'm going to give you what I see in culture Christmas is. People would generally also, my children say, well, Christmas is so cozy. You know, it's the lights, it's the decorations. Well, if we look around us in our culture, it's also a time of extreme rebellion against God. Gluttony, drunkenness, overspending, a rampant sexual immorality on a crazy scale, a lot of false teaching, remind us of our demonic past of uh, small figures that was demons and, and pagan worship rituals. Mixed, mixed in with this hint of religiousness that, well, Jesus came at one day and said we could all have peace. Totally overlooking the whole gospel that Jesus didn't come to say that you could do whatever you want and celebrate my birth with sexual immorality, gluttony, overspending, and all those things. Now, with that cheerful note on Christmas in society, if you do Christmas when it's focused on Jesus, that's no problem. But if we do it and it becomes all about us, I don't think it has any value. And again, we're not asked to celebrate it. I'll stop my rant on Christmas. <laughs> if you want me to say more weird things about Christmas, you can ask me afterwards. Um, okay, so it's easy for you Christians to stand up there and just attack culture for them getting it wrong. Okay, but what about the church? Is there things we celebrate in the wrong way? And what rituals do we actually have? Should we have anyone that's good? So we, we believe there is two rituals. Baptism and communion. You could add in fasting also. You could also add in that you should kill sin and confess sin to one another. That's not really done in the service as much. Go after two. Okay, baptism. It's easy for me to say with my opinion. Can baptism be done wrong? Yes. It can. You can get baptized for all the wrong reasons. You can get baptized because you think the water will save you. You can get baptized because other people force you to. You can be baptized because you want to look good for other people. You can do it because people pressured you. You can do it be for acceptance from other people, God and you. So I'm not blaming the Jews for having rituals that can be misunderstood. All the rituals can be misunderstood. Now the reason why we have baptism is because that's what Jesus said that we should do. We should follow us in an example and get baptized for the right reasons. We want to obey Jesus. We have repented from our sin and turned to God. 
we see Jesus as Lord and Savior and God. We wanted to show to other people what the Holy Spirit has already done in us. We then are lowered into the water as a symbol of our death to sin and our old self and raised to new life with Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. Done right, but it can be done wrong. Second one, Lord's Supper. Can it be done wrong? Yes. Bad motives, unrepentant, unthankful, ungrateful, disregarding other people, getting drunk, what they say in Corinthians, with no repentance of sin, with no worship to Jesus, doing it as a meaningless ritual because this is what we do. Do it for our salvation. There's lots of ways we can do the rituals that we're giving by Jesus wrong. But it's to be done right. Then it's a beautiful picture and where we are we are showing what Christ has done in his life and work. I was thinking, what about you? What what rituals do you have? What times and seasons do you observe? And why? Is it about you? What about each day of your life? Are there days that are yours only and not God's? No, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep going, sorry. There's a story there, but I'm gonna. When God asks today, did you eat for yourself and drink for yourself? What? will you say? What will I say? Could it be that sometimes when we lack joy it's because we forget to thank God for all the things he does? Could it be that sometimes we take God's many blessings so for granted and forget to worship him? For some of us, it's just so so we feel we think it's so silly because it's so abundant for us, like food, housing, health, sun, rain, wind, friends, enemies, school, job, blessings, being able to talk, being able to be communicate, being able to have fun, being able to laugh. These are not granted to everyone. These are good gifts from God. And we shouldn't be taking them for granted without worshiping the one who made them all because it all belongs to Jesus. And instead, we steal God's worship and don't give it to the right one. The antidote of all this is worship, true worship, giving thanks in all circumstances. That's the will of God for Christ in you. Do it without grumbling. Whatever you do, do it in word or deed to the glory of God. And that is the slide here.
Oh, forgot Jesus on fasting. Okay. If you want to fast, this is how you're supposed to fast. Thank you, Jesus. We move on to Paul. This uh, passage here from Colossians uh, is a call to a lifestyle of worship. Not that worship is a part of life, but life is worship. And he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When these people today are asked, why did you do this? And God indicts them and say, you didn't do it for me. We are asked to do everything out of a thankfulness to Christ. We are asked to do everything in worship to God, giving him thanks. That's the call for us. Not to make up other holy days or other things, but instead being called into a life of worship not an hour of worship, but a lifestyle of worship where everything is pointed to God because God deserves all the praise and glory as we worship His Son for all that He's created and for all the things that He sustains. So that's the invitation. If you're out there in here, you don't know Jesus. You have no idea why you live your life. You lived it all for yourself. Well, Jesus comes and he, into the world, he lives perfectly, fulfills the law. He doesn't do the curse. He fulfills the law, offers himself as a sacrifice for sin. He dies, shedding his blood, his body, but we're still not weeping because he rises three days after so we can have his righteousness and be restored to God. He sends into heaven from where he will come again. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower us to live this life because you might be like, you can't live this life. Well, he sends us the Holy Spirit that we day by day can see God a little more and a little better and we could do it more and more until he returns. So the invitation is come. Come and see what Jesus has done. Your life don't have to be about you. And it's a lot better when it's about somebody else. So living in for Jesus to the worship of God is true, real life. So that's encouragement to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that your word opens up our hearts and minds to see who you are. It helps open us up our hearts to see what's in them. So I ask as we 
as we look to to this God, we know we know we are not there. Um, but I want to celebrate you, Lord, because we have a desire to do that. Um, we can see your faithfulness in our lives that you have moved us. Some of us have a desire to live this out. We also fail, or I fail. And for that, I'm thankful that you have forgiven us in Jesus. Jesus, that all things are yours, and you hold all things together, and, and still you live a life where you are living it to the full for your Father and his glory, and for our good, that we can be set free. And you love us so we can be reconciled to you and become God's children. Lord, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit and empower us to living, live this way. And I pray you encourage us, fill us with it, and give us great joy as we celebrate who we are. I pray this would not be a, I, Lord, this is not a burden but a way into true life with you and great joy. So I ask that you would help us do that with great joy and celebrate who you are and what you do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Myos, if we will come and help me, we will try to do this ritual the right way and not the wrong way. And so, since we've already... Uh, uh,